everyone. This is Carmen. And Christina. And this is Historias Unknown, a podcast where we talk about Latin American history. Sometimes it's horrible and deals with heavy topics like racism, corruption, and genocide. But more than that, it's also about resistance, power, and community. And today we have a very special episode. We got an email, and I'm so glad that you reached out to us. We have a guest. His name is Luis Corso. He is a Brooklyn-based Guatemalan photographer and artist, and he has an amazing book called Basaco 1996. It's an investigative photography project that revisits a month-long abduction that Luis Corso and his father lived through in 1996 in Guatemala. And truly amazing. We both have looked through the book and it took me a while to realize that this was like you and your family. I was... <laughs> <laughs> But go ahead, tell us about yourself and about your, uh, and then we'll get into the book and all that as well. Hello, how's everybody doing? So yeah, it's it's so surreal because I, I listen to your podcast so much. And now like hearing you do the introduction and everything, it's like, well, I'm in here. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, um, I was born in Guatemala and I live now in New York. I work as a freelance photographer here and dabble a little bit into video and stuff like that and so kind of going back a little bit I started doing like a project about this when I was studying I would I studied in Barcelona I dropped out of high school in I grew up in Florida I dropped out and moved to Barcelona and studied photography there and I started um, my thesis project was kind of dabbling into this project into this like theme you know, like exploring this. But in that time, it was very like personal and about my traumas. You know, I was going through a lot and, and I started investigating about it. And I quickly got like way too overwhelmed. You know, I, I started finding really intense things like um, the thing that mostly did it that I was like, whoa, I need to take a step back was I found the recording of my dad's first call that he made when he was freed from this abduction and that just like it was too much for me so I kind of stepped away and waited a few more years I think it was maybe like five or six more years that I started um, like looking into doing something about this but in a different with a different perspective with a different concept and a different goal in mind I don't really remember how that's it re-sparked re maybe it was just me googling myself you know and like in this aspect not in my like contemporary life you know more like right seeing if there's articles out there from the time and there is like there's articles from like 1999 or something about it which is bizarre. I didn't even know the internet existed. <laughs> um, and I think that maybe started it. And then I started like thinking, okay, I want to explore this, but in a different way, you know, more kind of like if I can do it anonymously, that would be great. You know, that was kind of my idea was I want to use this story to talk about way broader issues, not so that people focus on this. And that has been a little bit of a struggle, you know, publishing the book, presenting it, for that people to not be like, oh, that happened to you. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not about me. Like, of course right. it is, but 
it's just a, a way to speak about so many bigger issues, you know? So um, I did a Kickstarter and I like to get funds to go to Guatemala and be able to do it. And so I went and I started like exploring the idea, but I didn't have that clear how the project was going to be like fully clear, but there was an idea. So I started investigating. I started interviewing people and stuff like this. And since the start, you know, it was very much like a statement against capital punishment and against like strong fist. I don't, I forget how to say it in English, but like, you know, like, um, mano dura, like mano dura yeah. yeah, which I don't know. None of us, how do we say it in English? I don't know. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Like something like iron fist or something like. Oh, yeah, I think that's how they say it. Yeah. Something yeah, like that, that has, maybe. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, that type of like um, ruler that's very like Bukele, you know, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, it's like such important work that it's like, because this to you and your family and like the uh, this is all happening in the late 90s the end of the civil war for guatemala el salvador had just their civil war had ended years before that but like now we're seeing a resurgence of the same type of regimes mm -hmm. that were in place then now and like your book is coming out and it's like we're still seeing the same types of i just oh it's it's sad yeah and it was it was crazy because I, I I mean I kind of did this book before I even knew who Bukele was before Bukele was even the president you know and or I don't know when did he become president anyway I like did it kind of foreseeing future Bukele type rulers mostly I was thinking of Guatemala you know like oh, I'm sure it's gonna happen because I hear it so much in the street Like yeah. whenever I'm in Guatemala or family, they're like, oh, we have to do something radical, you know, like thieves and like, like all this crime in Guatemala. And I was always like, I mean, it, it can't be like, we can't just imprison everybody. We can't just do a Duterte type thing. Like that doesn't fix anything. The, the, the reason there is all these gangs and, and all this violence is because There was so much violence then. And so these kids grow up with resentment, with anger, with seeing a dead body is nothing. So we're going to do more of that. And like people say in El, like El Salvador, oh, but it's actually like you can walk and it's not that like scary anymore and stuff. And I understand that it's mostly this in El Salvador, you know, it's just kind of, to me, Central America is very similar it all like bleeds into the next countries they're so close together we've already seen honduras yeah. uh fall into the same type of regime and i haven't seen guatemala i know there was like protests going on like a couple months ago i want to yeah. say i remember seeing videos of like people literally jumping politicians on the street yeah. really <laughs> i didn't see that yeah. wow yeah yeah that's another like whole thing um but yeah, yeah to, I, especially like Honduras, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Guatemala, I feel we're very, we're like one, you know, like Costa Rica is another world to me. I've never been, but mm -hmm. it seems like. But these four countries are, they're so close in proximity. They're so similar. We mm -hmm. talk the yeah. same. The food yeah. is very similar. Like our slang is 
there's so many overlapping. And then Panama, I, I have so many friends from Panama. It's like another, they're from like <laughs> Cuba, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think they have more connection with Cuba or like Puerto Rico or stuff like that. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I started doing this project kind of um, foreseeing and, and like kind of, warning the world like we can't have that i feel like it's gonna come and it eventually did come you know there was this group called sisig in guatemala which was very controversial like a lot of people liked them a lot of people hated them eventually the government got rid of them they were very much to defend rights of of uh, inmates and like civil rights mostly and all these government people were like, no, get out of here, you know? And a lot of, like, right-wing, more conservative people didn't. They're like, why are we defending these criminals when there's people dying in the street, you know, of hunger? So, anyway, they... I had a meeting with somebody from this group. I had done an interview in a radio in Guatemala, and they, when I met with them, they were, like, telling me how important my project was and, and what I was saying was because it's very rare that a victim is kind of in their defense, you know, because yeah. there's this reoccurring saying, you know, in these type of situations that you're like, no, but we shouldn't uh, be so brutal with these criminals. And then there's always the contra, the contra argument of like, Wait till it happens to you. Let's see if you're going to be so nice, you know? Yeah. And I can say it did happen to me. And I'm still for their, like, human rights, you know? Of course they have, they, they made a crime. They have to pay some consequences. And, they're you know, it's terrible. They're, it's a bad person. They did a terrible thing. But there's ways to go about it. There's ways to grow from it and, and to learn from it and to advance. So that's what I did with the project. And I, I hope I'm not rambling too much and tangling it uh, up. We love to rum ramble, don't worry. <laughs> Were you going to say rumble? Yeah, we love to rumble and ramble, Carmen. Yeah. Yeah, rumble the government. <laughs> I'm just um, kidding, don't come for me. <laughs> but yeah, basically what I did with the project was revisit this act as a whole. Um, in a very multidisciplinary in the photography realm of photographing um, still life things and portraits of people who were part of it, you know, whether it's mostly it's my family members, you know, my mother and my grandfather, who was the one who paid the ransoms and people who were in this world. And also I photographed which was very important decision. I photographed a lot of the places where proof of lives were left. And, and, the, and the, the reasoning behind me photographing the place is just to show that there's traces of violence everywhere in Guatemala. You would never expect that. Yeah. They eventually cut my dad's finger off and they put it in a small container and they left it in a Pollo Campero, which is like a KFC of Guatemala. Oh, I saw I saw Pollo Campero and I was like, wow, like I, I it was of course it was going to come up. It's Guatemala. Yeah. But like 
wow like my there's one in uh our dad is in oakland and he's like oh they opened a pollo campero here yeah. and he goes all the time and i'm like oh my god yeah, like there's pollo like campero. in new york there's like six here there's so many there's a lot but i grew up going past this pollo campero my whole life i remember it i remember one of the first times i would started driving Guatemala, I got lost and I was there and I had to call my grandfather, I don't know how to get to your house. But I never knew that's where it happened until I started doing the research and my uncle was like, oh, it's that one, it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it's an empty building. But I was like, that's wild that this happened here and nobody knows. And that day that somebody left it, it was just families there eating chicken. like, And that's why I wanted to include that, that it's a, a country or a region or a city that is like, there's violence everywhere, you know? The stories, like from hundreds of years ago or, or, or last, last year or whatever, you know? Sorry, going back to that first time that I was starting to dabble in it when I was in Barcelona, I kind of had a Skype call with my mom and I was asking her a bunch of stuff, you know, that I was interested in and what happened to the uh, kidnappers. And she told me four of them or five of them got the death penalty. Yes, I read that in 1995, it became, uh, that was the punishment for abductions, but it wasn't, prior to 1995, it was not uh, like capital punishment in Guatemala for uh, abductions, but then 1995 hit and they it became like okay, this is this will receive the death penalty. Yeah, yeah, and I think from what I understand, it was the death penalty didn't exist, and then in my case, because Mike, the kidnappers who kidnapped me, kidnapped a lot of very important figures in Guatemala. I don't know why they kidnapped us because we're nobodies. Yeah, that seems so out of place. I was reading about them. I think one of them, not too long ago, just died in yes. in that jail. The picture, you have the picture in your book of the jail that he was still in, and he died not that long ago. And there's news articles all over in Spanish about this man who was part of the, what is it, Banda Pasaco, yeah. right? Was what they were yeah. called themselves? Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. And and this kidnapping seems so out of place for everything else they were doing it, it was yeah very random yeah they they were kidnapping like the jeff bezos of guatemala you know the rich famous like families like all money and then us like my grandfather is wealthy but not like that you know not like these people move around in helicopters you know <laughs> we're nowhere near that right you know, no, I grew up in a middle class house. I shared my room with my brother, you know, in not gated community and like just a little house. I still to this day don't know why us, you know, how it came about. But so, yeah, going back to this discussion I had. Oh, we were the only ones who like when they arrested some of the kidnappers, we, uh, my family was the only one who was like, let's go to trial. Right, because it was also a huge thing for people to just take justice into their own hands during this time period. I read somewhere else that like, how many 
I forgot the number, but the amount of like lynchings of people just taking justice into their own hands during the late 90s, it was huge in Guatemala. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and to this day, to this day, I was recently driving through a town in Guatemala and it was like this such a bizarre scene that I stopped because it was like this loudspeaker and it was speaking in, I think, Cachiquel, which is one of the languages in Guatemala. And then it would say it in Spanish. And it was basically saying, like, if you rob, we're going to kill you. Like, we're the town, we're going to... Wow. Yeah. And there's, like, these amazing signs of, like, either that or people just, like, ignore it and move on. Which is some of, something that some of my family members were opting for. Like, let's just move on with our life and do it. And my grandfather was so firm, like, if they kidnap another of us... Or, or the neighbor or whoever, is we're going to feel terrible for the rest of our life. This is not the right thing to do. The right thing to do is to confront it. And yes, we're risking our life. A lot of us have to move, have to go somewhere. That's why I moved to Miami when I was a kid, was because of we went to trial. We could have stayed and not go to trial, and they keep kidnapping other people. But my grandfather was the one who really set out for that. And then once he did that, the other families were like, okay, they kidnapped our grandma. They kidnapped our cousin. Wow, like more people came forward. Then they all came forward and then they opened up death penalty again. Because of this amounting of these cases, they, I think they ended up killing two people, two guys. But my whole life, since this conversation with my mom, I thought they had killed five of my kidnappers. So I had like a whole argument, like I got in a kind of, kind of a fight with my mom. Like, this is such a bizarre thing that five people died kind of because of me, but I was a child, so I have no say in it. But now I have to live with that kind of burden, you know? Yeah. And my mom, her defense is very... Um, understandable because she's like the prisons in Guatemala are a joke they can escape any day so what do you want me to think uh, if they kidnap my my son and my dad and uh, my husband and I don't want any other mom to live like that and in a prison doesn't make sense so it's kind of like the only outcome is to like kill them so we whatever years pass I go to Guatemala I'm starting to do the project, and I think these five people were killed by capital punishment. But then my aunt is like, no, they they appealed, and they got 50 years instead. And so that was such a mind-blowing moment of I like, bet. this whole time I thought these people were dead, now you're telling me they're alive? Some got killed as they were escaping prison or, or, or stuff like that, but... This guy, Jose Luis Barahona Castillo, was alive, from what I understood, who was the leader of the kidnappers. He was the one who uh, cut my dad's finger off. And so it became like, I need to meet this guy, you know? So I started just trying to investigate. And finally, they asked me to not name them or anything, but um, somebody told me the whereabouts of this guy's brother in a prison. And he's like, you can go into the prison and ask 
the brother where his brother is, and then you'll find your guy because it's not it's impossible in Guatemala. You it's literally like a witch hunt. You know, it's not like there's files and stuff. So I went to the prison, um, and it's like a miracle because it was the last day of my trip. I was leaving back to New York the next day, and I come to find out the only day that there's a male visitors is Sunday, and it happened to be a Sunday. I did not plan that. Wow. It was the day I got there. It happened to be Sunday, and it happened to be the day we can come in. And so I had to bribe my way into the prison. And all of this was so bizarre because you just see it's mostly moms bringing their son eggs and snacks and going to visit their sons. And it's very like, like fun in a way because you can come with your family. I saw your picture of the prison and how you like describe that. It's almost like a little town in there. Yeah. And I did not know wow. that's what it was like um which it, it was so it's a weird like idea of a prison yeah yeah very very weird all the prisoners are in civilian clothes there's music there's a soccer match but at the same time there's probably so much terrible underworld things going yeah people are probably being enslaved and bullied and extorted and stuff like this mm -hmm. right but as, as as i was walking in I, the whole time, they're like, who are you here to see? What am I going to say? This guy who kidnapped me 20-something years ago? So I'm like, oh, yeah, my, my dad's friend. <laughs> so I just kept saying, my dad's friend, my dad's friend. What's his name? Well, I was saying the brother. And they're like, oh, no, he's not here. And I'm like, I came all the way here. It's like an hour, two hours away from Guatemala City. Um, and they're like, no, but his brother is here. So the kidnapper himself. And I was like, and I was oh. like, fuck, I'm not ready for this. I did not. I came prepared with one question is, where's your brother? He's here. Okay, bye. You know, I, I didn't. Damn, have, you know, I didn't think of anything else. No, oh, my God. <laughs> all my energy wow. was spent on this one question. So long story short, I, I see him. You know, he um, I got like paid another inmate to show me around and, and and help me find him. And he had a little store in the back of the prison. And so he was just there. And I, I don't remember him in person because he always was blindfolded or with a ski mask. Mm -hmm. But I remember from seeing all my research, all the newspaper cutouts. So when I saw him, I was like, like... My whole body went numb. I, I like, bet. Oh it's my the God. craziest feeling I've ever had in my life. And I've been in very crazy situations. But that was like, my whole body was like, like, you know, when your leg falls asleep or something, it was the yeah. whole body was like that. Wow. Like ants all over my body, you know. And, and the inmate who was helping me was like, and like, because I stopped and he's like, let's go. Like, he's over there because in his mind, I'm just visiting my dad's friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He had no idea. He doesn't know this insane encounter is about to happen. Mm -hmm. So he's like, looking at me like, you're such a weirdo, you know, <laughs> and like these like face tattoo guys looking at me like I stand out so much and just I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? 
So I go and I like shake his hand. And I was like, I don't know. I couldn't say anything. He's like, who are you? And he's like, oh, he said you're friends with his dad. And I was just like blank. And he's like, like so weird. Like, what is going on? And he's like, what's your name? And I made up some name because I just wasn't ready to meet this guy. And then the inmate, the one who was helping me, he was just confused and he just like left. He was, I had to give him a tip, you know, for helping me. That's what they're, they do. Yeah. But he was just like, what is going on? Uh, this is a waste of time. So he just left. And I was, so I was left with this guy and he's like, but what's your dad's name? Like, supposedly we're friends. Who's, who's your dad? And then I made up another name. He said, no, I don't, I don't know anybody named that. And he knew I was nervous. You know, he knew something was up. And next to his little store that he sold, like, chips and sodas, he had a little table. Like, one of those, like, plastic tables. And he's like, oh, just sit down. Like, relax. And he gave me a Coke. And he's like, just drink this Coke. You know? So I took a couple of sips. And in my mind, it was like, in poker, when you go all in, in my mind, it was like, this is what I wanted and I'm here. Just go all in. Like, there's no going back. It's either you tell him or you just leave. And for what? You know? So I was like, all right, I'm going to be honest with you. My name is Luis Corso. And he immediately was like, what? Oh, my God. Oh, you kidnapped me. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, what? Yeah, I remember. How's your dad? How's he doing? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah. they were like, old friends. How's your dad been? Yeah. But just to let you know, like, he, without me saying anything, like, he knew so much. And the way he, like, proved it was like, by the way, I didn't cut his finger off. Like, that was the first thing he said. How's your dad? And I say, he's good. And he's like, I didn't cut his finger off. <laughs> like, that's how quick he knew exactly who I was, you know? And I was like, listen, I'm not here to, like, do that. Like, that's fine, you know? Like, I'm not here to, like, point fingers or anything. I'm here for a different reason. Um, I'm here to kind of, I'm doing, like, a documentary about crime in Guatemala and, like, why this happens, how you can kind of prevent it or, or uh, improve it or something, you know? And, like, a deeper part of it. I'm not here to point fingers. Like, that's, it's not my job right here. It doesn't do any difference. What happened, happened. And he was like, okay, well, to be honest, I, I really wasn't a part of your kidnapping. And I was like, oh. come on, I'm here. I'm being straightforward. Like, look where we're at. Like, be honest, man. <laughs> like, yeah, let's just, like, I'm telling you, I'm not here to judge you or anything. Um, I come in peace, you know? And then he was like, all right, fine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And so we had a, like, hour-long conversation. And like I said, it's it's a little bit disappointing that I wasn't prepared for it, you know? Mm-hmm. So if I would have known, I would have wrote things down or, or, or stuff like that. Yeah. But he kind of just really... Um, how do you say, like, like proved what I already thought? Or uh, there's a word, I can't come up with it. But, um, like, reiterated what mm. I was trying to convey is that 
you know, there's, of course, many reasons behind these crimes. Of, of There's necessity and there's just um, envy and, and stuff like this. But I think the best um, kind of take I, I got from it was that he, he told me it's, it's mostly like envy because rich people are such like, I don't know, how do you say, like assholes, you know? And they're so <laughs> yeah. bad. Like there's, they treat everybody so bad that it makes you want to like just take your their things, you know? And it's known in Guatemala, like if you have like a fancy car, like it's always like these like, big fancy cars like a Mercedes Benz you know that mm -hmm. they like want to like bully everybody and you ha like cars like get scared and they move out of the way and let these cars pass just because you know so it's this yeah, type of yeah. sentiment that you're like you know what give me your dumb car like <laughs> I'm not gonna let yeah. you bully me so it's that's part of it you know of course necessity is the number one nobody wants to just rob just because but he said then it just becomes a bad habit It just becomes like a <laughs> yeah. game. How much more can I get? How many more people can I get away with? You know, like any other crime, I guess. But it was interesting and that made me kind of reanalyze that it's all due to like the um, such unequal um, social mm -hmm. class, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. Like there's no middle class. It's like a very small percentage of people that are super rich and then everybody's poor like what do you expect you know like so that conversation gave me that and of course like at the end it was like a friend of mine you know wild but yeah yeah it sounds like stockholm syndrome but i don't think it i don't think it was i, I think it was just i was so It was so long ago and stuff that I was just seeing this guy as just this, like, poor guy that lives in this prison and, like, has a terrible life, you know? I was just seeing him as, like, like not connecting what happened between us, you know? But I, I did this funny thing that the coke that he gave me, I asked him before, listen, I gotta go, but can you do me a favor? And he's like, yeah, what? can you walk me to the entrance? Because I'm scared to walk by myself. I don't know anybody, you know? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. And he's older. He was older. So I'm sure he had this, like, power, you know, because he was one of the OGs, yeah. And respect, probably, too, yeah. And he had a store, too, so that probably earned him some power in there. Yeah, which at the end, some, like, inmate that was, like, selling waters fully tattooed in the face... He came up to me and I was like, oh, shit, like, what's going to happen? And he was like, oh, you know, Jose Luis, he's such a nice guy. Like, he's like, damn, you're connected, you know? <laughs> he was looking at me like, this guy, he's connected. But anyway, I asked him, can you walk me to the, to the entrance? He's like, yeah, of course. And so I got up and I grabbed the Coke and I was like, actually, I'm not going to pay for this. I'm taking it. And the guy just <laughs> cracked up. And the guy cracked up. He's like, no, don't worry. Take it. You know? I was like, by the way, oh I'm not paying God. for this. You owe me this at least. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy was like, um, we were walking. It was like seeing an uncle, you know, or something. We were walking out and he's like, please come and visit me if you're around. 
like, you know, come and visit me again. And I really thought about it, you know. <laughs> um, but then he died. So uh, mm, I couldn't. He must be. When did he die? Was this like within the past three, four years or so? He might have been the one I read about that died. I think it's definitely him wow. that you read about. I think the project, I think I did 2019. And then this, I don't know if it, I'm looking too much into it, but a year, a year later, I think, or a year and a half later, something like that, 2020, 2021, I finalized the project and I did an exhibition in Guatemala, in Guatemala City. And I had this whole exhibition and there was a lot of press about it, including a cover story about it. So they interviewed me for El Periódico, I think it was. I have it somewhere. Um, and it was in the cover. And it was this whole interview of me and doing this project and all these things. And in it, I mentioned this guy's name and that I had a conversation with him. I didn't say he told me this, he told me that. I just mentioned I had a conversation with him and that's it, you know. And a month, and this was the main, the New York Times of Guatemala, the cover. It's a picture mm -hmm. of me and all these things. A month later, he was dead. Oh, weird timing. Yeah. I never thought, yeah, I never thought about it, but a friend was like, you don't think you had something to do with that? But I will never know. Yeah. Yeah, because even what I read about him passing away in jail, I think it just everything just said natural causes. Like there was no like, oh, he was like stabbed or killed. Like it just said leader of uh, the Pasaco gang responsible for kidnappings has passed away. And it, it was recent. So, yeah, it must have been him. But yeah, I think I think it was 2021 that he mm -hmm. died or mm -hmm. 2022. So, yeah, very recent. And I'm sure we're talking of the same guy. But yeah, as 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 this bukeleismo started happening, I was like, this is exactly what this project is about before even he started, you know? And so I'm so happy that I did it and of this timing so that people can kind of see from, you know, it says in an essay in the book, from the most factual witness, you know, like I was a victim of these people to say, hey, you can't do that. You can't just murder them and stuff like this. You know, I don't think the prison system in Guatemala or the way they handle it is good either. It's very bizarre. You know, they just they kind of have a nice life in there. You know, some of the people, I don't think that's a good thing either. I think I don't really know what the answer is, but I just know right. to be brute is not the way, you know, mm -hmm. and how I was kind of some of my family members that live in Guatemala, they're like kind of pro Bukele, but not like super, you know, they're just like, oh, but it kind of sounds nice to live in a place that you're not worried and mm -hmm. you can you, and your kids can go to school. You're not worried that they're going to, you know, and I was like, yes, but what, what he's doing is basically if you have a kid that you have a son and he's not being well behaved, you don't punch him and like throw him in a room and you don't like mentally abuse him and like call him an idiot and you don't do that. You try to understand 
why he's misbehaving. That's how you fix a problem. You try to get to the root of it and do it in a caring manner, not like... That mass arrest and mass disappearances exactly. of, of people. And it's like, we're yeah, we're watching history repeat itself. And then we mentioned it our last episode, but there's a series by Radio Ambulante and uh, it's called Central. Their first six episodes are on Bukele, but they're covering like other similar quote-unquote presidencies because at this point they're like really nearing dictatorships yeah. uh in central america because there it's like this thing called bucalismo where he's inspired like all these other regimes in in the same areas and they're doing like six episodes on him and i'm not sure who they're doing next but like i think nicaragua's in the same boat honduras i mentioned guatemala's having issues too argentina oh my god mm-hmm. i'm not even gonna go yeah. with what's going on there with Milei. yeah yeah, I don't know if you've uh, seen too much in Guatemala. It's actually the complete opposite that just happened, but they're trying to get him out. You know, we call him, mm, the, mm-hmm. his name is Bernardo. So we kind of mm-hmm. jokingly say like Bernie, you know, like Bernie Sanders. Like he's a <laughs> okay, Bernie yeah. Sanders, so we're like El Tío Bernie. Um, I actually met him recently and I work with him a lot and amazing campaign and everything. And what was happening in Guatemala was that we we all voted for him. Everybody voted for him. He won by like an insane majority. But then all these cor- corrupt people, they're like, he's going to ruin our party. You know, we have this whole thing established that we can steal all this money and we're all rich and we're all profiting off of, of being in power. But this guy's going to just shut the party down. Like, nobody's getting money out of this, you know? Like, we don't want to be a normal democratic government, you know? So... Yeah, they want to keep being corrupt. So is that they're trying to oust him? Is that what's happening? Yeah, so they... in And it's wild what happened. Like, he was running and then they canceled his party, but then he still won... And then there there was a, a assassination attempts, which I was with him a lot, like in a lot of things. And my family was like scared, like, don't get that close to that guy. You know, he's going to get killed one of these days. You know, thankfully, no. And, and he then he is the president of Guatemala now. Um, but it's still constant battles like their their party um got removed it doesn't exist like wow. yeah so they're like independent but then they're not getting a lot of things they they won congress but now they took it away from them so it's like such a constant thing that they don't want to to let him rule which but it's like a breath of fresh air that we all wanted him Mm, right right so that's such a like relieving thing but it's like what you're saying with argentina and i'm on like tiktok and stuff and i'll get something like pro bukele and it's like this sick thing that i do of like reading comments and i'm like oh my god i do the same thing and people are like people are like oh saludos desde peru like, hello from Peru. I wish we have a Bukele. We need one here. And greetings from Paraguay. We need a Bukele. And I'm like, 
<laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> yeah. So oh, it's also insane. There was um, there's this journalist I follow on TikTok. Her name is Bianca, and I don't know her last name. She does a lot of videos, mostly on Puerto Rico, but she recently had two videos come out about El Salvador, and it was in conjunction with El Faro. Mm -hmm. And all the comments are like, because she did, she released one in Spanish and then it went in English, but it's the same thing talking about. Bukele and the corruption in El Salvador and the mass arrest. And of course, the comments in Spanish were flooded by people like, oh, tú no eres El Salvador. You're not from here. No puedes hablar. You can't you can't say these things if you don't live here. Mm -hmm. uh, we can act finally walk on the streets. We can blah, blah, blah. But it's like at the expense of what? Mm -hmm. And then there's so many people that are like, forget about the past. We need to move on past what happened in the past. Uh, we're like good now. And it's, and it, I mean, we see the same comments from our family members. Yeah. Um, but it's like at the expense of what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the expense of what? And also there's like, I saw this video of like a street, empty street, everything shut down. It was like a ghost town. And it said like, Oh, I can finally walk with my phone out and not be scared. And somebody in mm -hmm. the comments, like out of most of them being terrible, and I'm just like, Ugh, like, this like a <laughs> <Yeah>. masochist <laughs> thing. A lot of them are like, this street used to be vendors and people and like things happening. Like, this is now, a bad thing, it, actually. A ghost town. Yeah. yeah, it's there. This used to be a... Busy, busy alive, alive vibrant market. street like I, that's where i got yeah. my stuff and and a lot of them also say like this is just in like the fancy areas like mm -hmm. yeah you and you've always been able to walk there because there's always been cameras and over like an, an extreme amount of cops and that's the same in guatemala that's the same in mexico everywhere if you got like the fancy area there's camera and like you can have your jewelry out and nothing's ever gonna happen yeah and it's it's the poorest most uh needed like neighborhoods that are like suffering the most under all these same types of regimes yeah. always always and i think it's also very um harming this narrative of of unsafety it's i do not agree like when i go to guatemala i go everywhere and I like no, nothing ever happens, you know, like, I don't know. I don't I don't I think they overly like, you know, in the U.S., they overly scare people. Oh, yeah. And then they show you. No, but now it's safe. But before it was impossible. It was so scary. It was so dangerous. No, it's never been like that. People in almost in nowhere in the world, except the U.S. is the only place that you go to a movie theater and they'll just assassinate you for no reason. You know, mm -hmm. in our country, yeah. they don't just murder like psychos. They don't just, yeah, no, if yeah anything, they don't kill you while you're watching cases, Batman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, give me your phone. You don't give me your phone, I'll kill you. That's terrible. But it's not a nonsense killing, you know? Like senseless, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the worst thing, you give the phone and that's it. That happens anywhere. I got robbed in here mm -hmm. in Brooklyn, you know, by gunpoint. The same thing. I'm like, it's not... Is this narrative is so dangerous of yeah. over making saying that places are dangerous? It's not dangerous. You can go to Guatemala City. You can go anywhere. Just don't be flashing and like being rude to people, and you'll be fine. You can walk around. You'll be okay. Worst case scenario, you get robbed like in so many other places. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's me, mostly what my book is about. <laughs> All of that. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really is. And it's really like as a tool to have these conversations. That's what I want is for people to look at it and like dialogue and talk. It's like an excuse to talk about all these things, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's I don't remember if it's in the forward or like the end where you mentioned all these things like the civil war, the violence that has continued mm -hmm. and just how they all tie into what happened to you and your family and what's going on today. Because you mentioned in that like Mano Dura uh, policies. And so, yeah, it really it all ties together perfectly. And we're, we'll definitely put a link in the show notes on where to get the book. It's it's beautifully done as well. Like the pictures it's just it's uh yeah impactful thank you thank you yeah i i got such a privilege that um the foreword was written by claudia mendez arriaza she's one of the most important journalists in guatemala she's amazing there's actually a documentary on hbo that you should watch um oh. and she's interviewed in it it's called The Art of Political Murder. Oh, it's so okay. good. And it's all about these themes. And she's interviewed there. You'll see it and you'll put it together. Coincidentally, I know her since I was a child. She was like pen pals with my sister when they were girls. And so I have had this wow. close relationship with her. And so it's so organic that she wrote that forward. And to me, that forward is the best part of the book. Like, I never cried. It's, it's, it's amazing. I, mm -hmm. I haven't cried in years. And that's the only thing that gets me close to crying. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so and then the design was done by Claudia Rubin. She's a really good friend of mine and one of uh, amazing designer. So it's beautiful how it came together. I do want to say that, unfortunately, the book is like very close to selling out. There is a few places that you can buy online. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have any more copies. I wish I did. But yeah, I, I can send you some links where I know that they have it on sale if anybody wants to oh, buy that'd it. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, I need to get it before it sells out. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much for first reaching out via email, but for taking the time to do this with us. This was amazing. Thank you. And um, anything like to say before we go? And then, of course, let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and your work as well. Yeah, uh, I just want to say thank you guys for, for doing all this work, for doing the research, finding these stories. It I know how much work it is to do these things, you know. People think you're just talking. No, it's so much work of putting things together and stuff like that. And I do appreciate it so much. And I'm a fan and I'm going to listen you. to everything and I'm going to support everything because it's it's really great for you to put things in the world, you know. And I do want to say, I, I told you before, but maybe for the uh, viewers or listeners that how I found it was... I always have different podcasts, but I was at one point I was like, I don't know. I, I want I don't know what to listen. I want to listen to something specific. And I think I typed on Spotify like Guatemala or something like that. 
history or something, and that episode of of the Guatemalan Civil War um, came up, and that's when I listened to it, and and I loved it, you know, because <laughs> no, thank you, because of what you're saying and 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 the story you're telling, but also because of your personalities, you know, of it's it sounds like. I'm with two smart friends that are telling me, like educating me, <laughs> oh. but it's like we I mean, it's a comfortable position. You know, it's not this like highly smart thing that I can't deal with those things. I dropped out right. of high school. You That's know? exactly <laughs> what we're going for. Yeah. yeah. Carmen's <laughs> Carmen's the only one with two what, two degrees here. <laughs> My last grade completely was ninth grade. That's wild. <laughs> so yeah. Um, thank you. I just wanted to thank you and 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 also thank the people for listening and to be interested in this. You know, it it takes effort to in in make yourself interested in these things and learn um, because history is the main preventative for future bad things or or it, yeah it can push you to do good things or, or mm -hmm. whatever. But yeah, I think that's it. My, I don't know, my Instagram is C-O-R-Z-O. -O. If people want to follow me there, if people want to email me, there's a link on my Instagram. Like, you, there's an email thing. Mm -hmm. If anybody wants to email me with a question, please, I don't mind. You know, you can ask me anything about the book, about the subject, about whatever. I'm an open book, you know. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes as well. And seriously, thank you again. Thank um, you. Carmen, anything else before we, we go? Oh, no, anything? just that I love this conversation. I can't wait to get your book. Um, and um, it just it's such a powerful uh, statement from you, like as a victim and a survivor of uh, the, these crimes and these uh, criminals and gang members to be putting out a statement like this because how many times do we see Truly. in the pro bukele comments oh wait till it happens to you oh why are you why do you love gang members <laughs> and <laughs> and it's so and true you love that, them so much mary like, yeah it's, the dumbest it's, it's so stupid it is but <laughs> it's it's so true that violence like begets mm. violence and dismano dura policy is not radical it's been done it doesn't work um yeah. and yeah. the more we talk about it hopefully the more people that are open to listening to it yeah yes yeah seriously um and yeah everyone else we hope that this story is what what do we say one, one less, less historia known for you <laughs> yes yes yeah. thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so uh, we'll catch you guys next time bye, bye.